The Rams Review Podcast are delighted to announce a new sponsor for this season, the Terrace Apparel. The Terrace Apparel offers tributes to iconic sporting moments and heroes embroidered onto timeless crew neck tees made from organic cotton for a soft but durable t-shirt which makes them both comfortable and stylish. There are currently over 100 bespoke designs to choose from, from footballing legends, cricketing masterclasses to major winners, with more designs being added regularly. Can't find something that's special to you? You can even request your own iconic sporting moment. Contact them on their website, theterristapparel.com. But that's not all. For all Derby fans listening, we have had the pleasure of creating our own design, voted for by the listeners of the podcast over the last couple of weeks on our socials. You voted for the iconic Jim Smith and Igor Stimak at the baseball ground, which will be on sale very soon. Keep your eyes out on our socials for the product launch. Also, we can exclusively offer 15% off all purchases with the code RAMSREVIEW15. TheTerristApparel.com. Check it out now. Welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby Cat. Hello everybody and welcome to the Rams Review Podcast, the first one of 2023. Sorry, we've been, apologies after start because we've been, we've been away since the beginning of December. Um, life sometimes just just takes grip and we've uh, we've struggled to sort something out so we thought we'd have a, an extended holiday period but um plenty to talk about since we've come back and hopefully 2023 we will be back to weekly episodes of the Rams Review podcast and joining us on the first one it's a bumper one for 2023 I would say happy new year but we're a little bit late into that now I, I kind of stopped doing that after the first couple of days but since I've not seen any of you lot since last year Happy New Year to you all. We've got Corey. Corey, how are we doing? Jason, it's good to be back. Thank everybody for um, for sticking with us through our strategic reset and our little hiatus that we've had done. But like you said, life sometimes comes at you at a thousand miles an hour. Uh, holidays hit you and lots of things, things come in different directions. So, um, But we are good and good to go for 2023 and we'll hopefully kick off what will be another successful year for Derby because 2022 wasn't quite successful at the beginning, but the second half, pretty good so far. But you're right, Jason. It's not just me and you in the booth today at Rams Review HQ. Uh, joining us uh, is is Jack Bryan once again. Jack, welcome back. How are you doing, mate? Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you. Same to all of you. Um, yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me back after this, uh, what, what is it, month and a half, really, since I was... Yeah, the last one I did was before the second round, wasn't it? It was. I spoke to Mark O'Brien, didn't I? That was it. Yeah. There we go. Memory works. <laughs> yeah, wait, Jack, as, as the years hit you, uh, memory will start to uh, start to fade. And we'll bring in the more senior member, sorry, not senior, seasoned member of our crew, uh, Christopher Holt, uh, sometimes part of the Rams Review podcast, sometimes on our podcast, but he's a good friend. Chris, welcome live from the Nottinghamshire Basketball Arena, correct? Good evening, gentlemen. Yes, you are. If you hear some thuds of balls behind me, I do apologise. I'm about to referee at some point this evening, live from the Nottingham Wildcats Arena. So, yeah, I'm in red dog territory this evening, guys. Hopefully you're a better ref than Jonathan Moss, because he's terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah can't be any worse. Just, I agree. Jonathan Moss listens to the podcast. I'm not sorry. You're a terrible referee. <laughs> um, so, Jason, should we start uh, 
should we start with yesterday? Let's roll back the let's roll it back the calendar one day. Um, and let's talk about the FA Cup game because Derby won three nil. A couple of goals from Tom Barkhausen. Um, we looked really good. Um, but I needless to say, I think Barnsley were pretty bad too on the day. And I don't think either team made very many changes from their first starting eleven. And I looked at the league table because I watched it and I was about half an hour in and I was just like, where the heck are Barnsley in the table? They've got to be struggling. And they're like sixth. And just they think you just think, Christ, if that's Barnsley and six, we've got to be bang on for the playoffs because they were pretty poor yesterday, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, uh... To be honest, let's that take was... nothing away from us because we were great too. But no, yeah, we, we we did we did what we had to do. Something that I know we're going to go on to talk about that we've done for the you know the best part of the last fifteen games. We we've done what we've needed to do results wise. But I think you're right. <clears throat> I think you're absolutely spot on, Corey. I think that's probably one of the one of the biggest takeaways um, that that you can have from yesterday. I mean, we're into the we're into the fourth round, which is is obviously always great, and obviously we've got that. Home tie against Premier League opposition at West uh, against West Ham, struggling obviously uh, at the moment, and so that really does give Derby a chance to to go out there and, and show what they can do. Um, obviously, I'm sure you may well have seen the draw. Not many glamorize, unfortunately, other than what Man City, Arsenal, if they can get past um, Oxford. So you never know. The uh, the Derby West Ham one might well be another TV pick. Uh, seems seems we seem. I can to be see on that air. being moved to the Monday night. I really can. Yeah, can me too. Which would be. A massive shame for the fans who who won obviously Saturday three o'clock football, but um, obviously the extra money that that's going to bring in into the club is is always welcome. But yeah, I think it was it was just a it was a pleasing performance. We've said it before, Derby can't make all too many changes. Obviously, a couple were forced yesterday. Um, Jake Rooney coming in just seemed to slot in, not a problem. Liam Thompson went about his business, uh, you know, as he as he tends to do when he comes on and. One of the biggest pleasing things for me yesterday was to see Barkhausen uh, at the back of the net. Um, you know, I think he's actually, I think since he's come back from injury, I've been quite, I won't, I don't know if impressed is quite the right word, but I've been pleased with the way that he's performed since he's come back in. He looks a little bit more of a goal threat. Obviously, nobody's stopping that uh, right foot hammer yesterday. And that's what we know Tom Barkhausen's got in his locker. So that was great to see. Nice to see Jason Knight chipping in as well. And obviously, nice to see that Collins does know how to put a penalty away. Um, so that's obviously that's that's always a that's always a positive for the future. And but the the, the big striking thing really was, and I, I think in fact I think Chris last time me and you were together on on the podcast just before Christmas we we spoke about the quality of of teams in this league. And if that's good enough to be sixth in this division at this moment in time, I mean. Not taking it, Derby have obviously still got to do a job between now and, and May to make sure that they are in at least in those playoffs. But I, I don't see how Derby don't. They, they would absolutely have to capitulate, in my opinion, to, to fall out of this top six because there just isn't a great deal of quality. We've played every team now in the top six and obviously we threw the one against Plymouth away. Didn't really turn up against Ipswich away. But other than that, there's... Derby, Derby have got nothing to fear in this division. And if that is the level of quality, like you said there, Corey, Barnsley didn't really change either. As far as, I mean, I don't really follow Barnsley, so it's difficult to say, but if the majority of that's this, is their starting 11 on a, on a week-to-week matchday basis, Derby shouldn't have too much to worry about in, uh, in, the, in those respects. And at the end of the day, it was not a banana skin. It's League One opposition, but it was a game that, 
I thought was important to get to get a result out of. It keeps the run going. And as I know we're going to talk about it certainly moving forward, you know, the records that we're just ticking off at the moment, the, the form that Derby are in at the moment, I know there's quite a few draws, but obviously the last three or four weeks, five weeks, those draws are turning into wins. And that is obviously going to be the biggest part moving forward towards, you know, the business end of the season. If Derby can continue doing that, Corey, that you know, wins obviously they're gonna they're gonna fly you up this league. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I mean, what the gap was 15, 16 points to the top of the league three, four weeks ago. I know it's still a big enough gap at the moment at eleven or twelve points. Um, Plymouth have shown a little bit of misfortune, misform. Well, they've the also lost weeks. star striker Morgan Whitaker as he has gone back yeah. to Swansea. So who knows when Captain? Yeah, you Morgan never know. Knows they could fall. Yeah, what's going to happen? Fall. I mean, he could be the linchpin. He could be that one glue that binds be- the entire club together. Yeah, he certainly could. I mean, to be fair, the, I think the only two real form teams in this division are us and Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, I didn't realise how good of a run they're on. I think they're on 18 unbeaten, which is the best record in the league. And I fully expected that. And I must admit, as long as Derby can keep in touching distance with those teams coming into, you know, let's have a good transfer window if we can. Um, and then we have got some very, very winnable games at home between now and the end of the season win the majority of those, pick up something, you know, away from home. And and Derby should be right in the mix, but that was my biggest takeaway from yesterday. We're into the fourth round. It's exactly what we wanted to do. Um, I think the set out from majority of the fans when you're in League One, certainly as a team coming down, is you want to hit that third round. We used to play in from the third round. That's sort of your first achievement. Get into the third round, see what you get. And we, you know, object objective ticked. We've managed to do it. We've got a nice Premier League tie at home. And, um, you know, it gives us a chance to to try our hand against bigger opposition. And Jason, I'm, ex- I'm super excited for the game because it doesn't sound like a big thing for the three of you guys, but I traveled over 4,000 miles to watch uh, the last time Derby played West Ham in 2011. And I was there in the North Stand where Callum Ball scored. So there, how many Americans can say that, that they wasted their vacation watching him play soccer? Yeah, sorry, football, football, sorry. Um, yeah. So, Chris, what, similar similar thoughts. I mean, the tie for the next round, strugglers West Ham United could tend potentially, hopefully, the end of David Moyes' reign at West Ham if we can beat them. Um, that's a massive carrot. But I mean, we did we did the job yesterday. There's not you can't really drown on too much about a three 0 win against Barnsley against a poor Barnsley side. But um, I mean, what a good cup tie that is. Probably the draw of the round, Derby County versus strugglers West Ham should be a pretty competitive game. You know. If, if obviously we rip the form book up for the cup games, but as form progresses into those games, should be pretty tasty, shouldn't it? Something to savor and look forward to. I look forward to it in the sense that it comes at a really good time financially. It's going to be a guaranteed sellout, 33,500. It's guaranteed to go to some Central African country or Far Eastern Hong Kong channel will want to pay silly money for it, hence it will go on a Monday. It may even go on a Tuesday night, just don't know, fellas, or something ridiculous like the Thursday night. But I think. It's going to be an injection of cash, which is added onto the books, which could be as much as a million pounds, I've been told. So that can only be good for the club moving forward regarding the transfer embargo. So that's the way I look at it, to be honest. I think, is it a hindrance regarding form at the moment? Would we like a cup run? Of course we would. Is it worth a risk of having a cup run at the prevention of us getting valuable points, like Jason said? I'd rather take the points than the cup run. I'd take the money... We go out glamorously 3-2 um, 
and then we move forward. So, yeah, I think all in all, it's a win-win financially. Yeah, that's the way I was viewing it, Chris. Because I mean, let's be let's be real here. In today's day and age of the FA Cup, and I think the four the the four of us would all be in agreement here. Derby County's not going to win the FA Cup. We're not going to get anywhere near winning the FA Cup. Best we could probably hope for would be the quarterfinals, you know, because then the Premier League boys start playing the full squads, and then you know you get the stuff and beat out of you. Um, and like you, Chris, I'm all. For, I think we should concentrate on the league. I think getting out of League One is going to have longer term benefits for this football club as opposed to winning the FA Cup. Yeah, clubs immortalized, open top bus parade, but then we face another year in, in League One, which is let's be honest, it's really dour being in League One. It sucks. The football's crap. Um, and let's be honest, if half the teams went out of business, would anybody really care? No. Um, but, you know, yeah, just take this. It's a glamour tie. Like you said, a million pounds would be fantastic in the bank. Let's not do a replay. Um, yes, it would be worth more money, but it's an extra game on an already fed Barrett squad. Go out in a blaze of glory 3-2. Give them a good run for the money. Um, and then graciously bow out of the competition with your heads held high. You know, like the Liverpool performance, I think, you know, that was ultimately a loss after 90 minutes, but we didn't, nobody did them themselves any disgrace. I don't think anybody expected us to do anything against Liverpool. We took them to a penalty shootout. They had to bring in Mohamed Salah. They had to bring in Darwin Nunes. They had to play some of the big boys to counteract what we could do. And we just graciously bowed out and said, thank you very much. We'll take our TV money. We'll move on to the league and we'll continue the form going. Um, because Jack, I mean, the form's, Pretty good at the moment, I think, to say the least. I mean, what is it, 16 unbeaten now? Um, that's got to be one of the best. Obviously, I think, next, like Jason said, next to Sheffield Wednesday, one of the best forms in League One, second best form in League One, and probably one of the best forms in English football. But we're on a heck of a run right now, aren't we? Yeah, so actually, just to pick up on that, Wednesday, with 18 unbeaten, has the best form in the Football League, and then we are second on that. Um I know that's gained a bit of traction over the last couple of days. So there's a graphic up there on uh, BBC coverage or something that had, you know, it's Wednesday Newcastle game because Newcastle were 15 unbeaten as well. That was it. Um, so we are with second best in in the pyramid in terms of the unbeaten run. That does include the, the Liverpool game counting that as a draw. So, you know, but... Yeah, in 90 minutes, we've not lost 16 games, five clean sheets on the trot, the goals are starting to flow, and things are looking pretty good. I mean, what Chris is saying about the money there is very interesting, because we are in the window, transfer window. We we do have um, a striker spot perhaps opened up in the squad with the departure of Willisula, the return to Sheffield United after they recall him on Wednesday. And, of course, Jack Stratton was sold, wasn't he, to uh, Stockport County. He's made a return there after a very short but impressive loan spell for a, a few games. Well, it's not last season or the year before, but it's... I think, it was, I think it was last season, like last winter or something like that, I want to say. Yeah, that, that, that sounds, yeah that sounds right. So there's a little bit of money there. That, that's an undisclosed fee officially. So there's a bit of money in the bank which is always nice. We know the importance of that after the last few years, right? And there's scope for somebody to come in. West Ham is a fun, a fun tie, you know, in terms of being a Premier League team. The fact they're struggling maybe gives us a little bit more hope of a scalp um, in the sense that either they're just off their game or do they feel the need to focus on the league, feel the weak inside and we catch them out. 
uh, I was speaking to a West Ham fan last night who sounded uh, not very confident, to say the least, thought thought we might do it. So, yeah, it's um, after a very good performance yesterday and on Monday, and if I can just zoom in on one player for a minute, Jason Knight, um, I mean, I know Paul Warren spoke about the importance of him the other day, but, I, you know, he got a goal finally yesterday, first one under Warren, and on Monday he was he was key as well. Him and Hurahan in that in that piece I wrote, the piece on the website about the Accrington game. And Jason Knight was just everywhere, even though he was playing as a ten for for much of it. The assists for the fourth goal in the pretty much straight from kickoff, and um, he had the second most recoveries of any Derby player alongside Craig Forsyth behind Aaron Cashin, so that was an assist, three chances created, eight recoveries, and he ran, you know, he, he ran the channels as well, and he did similar yesterday, he worked really hard and got that goal he deserved, and that, for me, epitomises what Paul Warren wants for the team and, what's, and what it is that's making this team play so well, is that they're all working hard for each other, and then we've got that little sprinkling of magic from the likes of David McGoldrick, who can come up with ridiculous things like the little no-look pass in the build-up to the second goal against Atherington. David McGoldrick is a is a is an absolutely key player and he's just going from strength to strength in the 34-year-old. I mean, I'm I'm close to that age. I'm not there yet, but it doesn't seem that old now. When I was a kid, I was like, oh man, 34, that's ancient. <laughs> Start digging the hole, you know? But no, he's he's uh he's doing really well. So um, hopefully that continues, and hopefully his his little groin niggle that he has is just a niggle because we can't afford him to be out um, for too long. And Chris, but Jason and I were talking about this when Paul Warren first got um, appointed, and I don't think Jason was too keen on the style of Paul Warren. It took some getting used to, as you know, generally of what Derby County had, had to do. And I'll I'll just casually hold my hand up here and say I was not part I was not a big fan of Paul Warren I was not a big fan of his appointment I'm not a big fan of you know he seems a little bit too like up for a soundbite for me and you know what I mean and, and whatever um, but I'm eating my words and happy to do that because you know saves on the food bills um, but uh, you know 16 games unbeaten you can't you can't chuff at that. Do you think, I was thinking about this yesterday, do you think that this is strictly, this unbeaten run is strictly down to Paul Warren and the coaching? Or is it a combination of Paul Warren coming in, right? Changing a few things behind the scenes. And also you have the 12, 13, 14 players that we signed in summer also finally starting to gel a little bit because it was a bit disjointed under Liam Resenior. And, you know, a little bit that of that could have been down to the way Resenior was trying to play, but also the fact that the players didn't get to know each other. They've now had basically 20 games, you know, 20, 25, 30 games together. Paul Warren's then been there for about 20 games, roughly, give or take. Do you think it's a bit of both, or do you think it's all strictly down to Paul Warren? Um, good question. I actually go back to your point that you said at the start of the podcast. I think the league, I think the league is poor. So I think if you look at realistically, if you look at some of the teams that we've played in this run, um, we haven't bar the Ipswich game, which was ultimately was also a mistake by uh, Curtis at the back, wasn't it? It was a nil-nil written all over it. So, um, and then you look at the Plymouth uh, result, which was three poor substitutions, uh, which actually cost us that game. 
Didn't we um, lead uh, three times in that game? Uh, we led twice. We're two. Twice. Yeah, that's there. right. They won three two. That's right. Sorry. Um, and we made some bizarre substitutions, or Liam did. Um, so I think that has got a got a factor. I think ultimately, if you're a professional sportsman, um, I think if you have the ability to use both feet and you've got a fairly good head on your shoulders, you should be able to play at a fullback role or a midfield role in this league. I think it gets more technical as you get higher in the pyramid. When you get to Premier League and Championship, you're facing far more complicated structure. But um, I also think fitness has got a massive key to it. I think we're we're destroying teams in the last 10 or 15 minutes with, uh, like Jack said, some of the recoveries that we're getting. Um, one thing I will say about this, and no one's really picked this up over the last couple of months on any podcast, our centre-halves that we play at the moment, which is Cashin and Forsyth, are both predominantly left-footed uh, and they can use both feet. It's quite rare to have two centre-halves who are very comfortable to play both channels. And I think that's made a balance far more stronger than most teams have in their back four. So I think if you look at the Curtis Davis withdrawing in from the squad uh, or from the team, um, he's very, very poor on his left side. He's predominantly a right-sided player. But now you've got Craig and you've got Aaron, you can quite easily cover all points of the attack coming forward at them. So I just think it's a bit of everything, really. Paul Warren, I was with you, not a particularly great fan at first. I'm starting to warm to him. But I think, let's be realistically, let's look at the league, let's look at the ability against us, but let's look at the fitness levels and uh, let's see what happens. Jason, are you starting to warm to Paul Warren now as well a little bit? Because I know me and you had some text exchanges quite vehemently, you know, you know, you were going to burn all your bobble hats, you know, you're purposely growing your hair out to avoid looking like Paul Warren. You were doing these crazy things. Are you a little bit more on the the Paul Warren kind of track here? I think you've got to, you know, everybody obviously is allowed an opinion. I think you, you've, when, of course, when things go wrong, you'll be, yeah, I told you so. But when things go right, you've got to hold your hands up and say, uh, you know, <clears throat> maybe I was wrong. There was clearly a reason that David Klaus employed him. We're all, we're starting to, you know, see see the uh, shoots of progression with that. My one caveat to it is I'm worried if he can bring in some players in January that he wants to play the system that he wants. We we take a step backwards. I, I we know that his preferred formation is three five two. We know that. Would he disrupt what's going on at the moment? If we weren't on a fifteen sixteen game unbeaten run, I think he'd probably throw straight at it. The fact that we have managed to find something, you know, don't don't muddy the water at the moment because because there's no need to. But that that is my only slight concern is that if he does manage to pull off a couple of signings uh, in in the window, which he, he believes he can do, um, we, I just wonder if it means he's going to try and change a little bit too much too quickly uh, to get it how he wants it, and that could technically have a negative effect. But again, picking up on the point that that I made and Chris mentioned there. You don't need to be a very, very good footballer to play at this level. I, I'm sorry, you don't. You, you really don't. We've seen it. Accrington. I mean, we thought Forest Green was the worst team to come to Pride Park. Well, Accrington waved that waved that flag on Monday because they were absolutely terrible uh, for for an entire ninety minutes. And I am still yet to see really a, a team that have took Derby apart. 
I, I think certainly obviously over the last three months, I, I still go back to that Ipswich game. It was a mistake that it did have nil-nil written all over it. That was really the only game that I felt that a team kind of hit Derby a little bit. And that was only really in the first 30, 30 minutes. As soon as Derby got a grips with them, they were all right. But that's really the only team so far I've seen. That, and I mean, Lincoln away, which obviously was was a long time ago. And we're, we're a different side now. Um, but no, you have to give credit where credit's due, Corey. I mean, they've come in. You, you do forget it's only three months ago that, that they came in. And obviously this run sort of crept up quite slowly. And I think that was the majority of the, obviously that the first exchange, there was what, five or six draws in there, only the odd win. But as I mentioned earlier, those win, those draws are turning into wins now, obviously an absolutely fantastic points return over, over what was a tricky festive period, really. Um, Obviously the only, the only game that I think we failed to score in was Bolton and arguably should have won that um, down to refereeing decisions and you know a bit of a bit of poor finishing. So after what was a disappointment, obviously a very upsetting for a lot of Derby fans, twenty twenty two. The only way is up at the moment, and I I just I don't see how the run stops at, at this moment in time. I I don't see so the only I think the two things that we've kind of all mentioned. We we play West Ham in the FA Cup, and for for whatever reason they absolutely batter us. And that that causes a bit of a problem. Or he tries to change too much in January. We know he can't really change too much in January, but obviously there is room room in there. Uh, he tries to change too much and it has a negative effect. But, you know, he's he's made a couple of slight tweaks, slight changes already, it, it, I think, in the last couple of months. And at the end of the day, it's bearing fruit. As we've all said, we're scoring more goals. We don't even look like conceding. Um, and... Uh, at the end of the day, if you can keep those two things up, you're going to be winning more than you're losing. That's for sure. Yeah. And see, Jason, if I just, if I stay on the anti Paul Warren train, eventually I'll get something right on the podcast because ultimately in like 20 years, he'll lose a little sack. And I'll be like, ha, told you so. Uh, but Jack, you know, before we move on to, to the clean sheets, because there's a player that I want to talk about this run that we've been on this 16 game run, it has been a very, very sneaky 16 game run. Hasn't it? It's not like under McLaren where we were winning three and four and five nil and, blowing teams completely out the water. I mean, we've, we've gone 16 games unbeaten here and it's kind of just, it's kind of just crept up on us, hasn't it? And that, that kind of bodes well because it's not necessarily getting the attention. So the attention isn't focused on this great unbeaten run of 16 games. Well, let's try to get it to 20. I think the, the it's we're on an unbeaten run. Let's just keep going because it's kind of flown under the radar and that's kind of a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think the reason it's flown under the radar is, probably because of the amount of draws. So just going back through, counting them up, eight wins, eight draws in this 16-game unbeaten run. And as Jason said, I think it's because of how it started as well. So the first five with one win, four draws. Contrast that to now, the most recent five, it's one draw and four wins. So those draws are turning into wins now. And if we keep that up, then I think there'll certainly be a lot of attention on it. But because there are a lot of draws to begin with, I think that was where, even when we, we weren't losing, some of the anti-Paul Warren feeling was coming from because we weren't winning and people were disappointed with that. And I guess also, if you look at you take any two games, you get more points for winning one and losing one. But that baseline of draws is starting to be improved upon. 
and that's that's the encouraging thing. In terms of Paul Warren changing too much, he does seem somewhat conscious of that in terms of dressing room atmosphere, at least from what I've seen. He does he has been tempering expectations in terms of signings on that front, saying he wants to keep the balance, kind of not. He doesn't want to rock the apple tart, does he? And that's wait. So you're telling important. me, Jack Darby Darby want to sign players sensibly? Yes, yeah, that is not saying. something that we attribute with Darby County. This is a completely new thing for me. What does this mean? Yeah, that is a very good question. But it's like, we're not going to go to Accrington and their guy had like a good game. We'd be like fourteen million for that guy, and then he turns out to be garbage. No, it sounds like they're oh, making man. very. They want to make considered decisions where they take their time. Uh, looking at what some Rotherham fans have been saying over the past week or so, the trend for them in transfer windows was that a lot of their signings came later on in the window, perhaps as they were taking more time to figure these things out, uh, because they want players who will be happy with potentially bit part roles, being squad players to begin with at least, players who fit into the system, and yeah, that's that's key. Smart recruitment is is key, especially long term, right? Because otherwise, if you just chuck as much money as you need to get any random player that you've decided you like the look of, that's what means you end up in administration. It's not FIFA career mode, is it? No, as Southampton's finding out because they bought a lot of those FIFA Wonder Kids and they suck too. Um, Chris. We talked about the great defensive record, and I agree with you, Jack. I know that we had said, um, for what we had read, they're kind of targeting a right, a, a, a right back. They'd like some uh, some strength and depth in the wide positions and potentially now a striker now that Willis Sula's gone. But I know Warren said today, like you said, he doesn't want to upset the apple cart and just sign players for the sake of signing him, which is incredibly smart. Obviously, we're in a new fiscal reality here. It's the new Derby way that we're going to do things, doing things smartly, not something I associate with this football club. But nevertheless something different to get used to. But Chris, when you talk about, when we talk about on the field and we talk about the players that we currently have in the building, this great run has been built on defense because we're not conceding. Yes, we're scoring more, but you know, it starts at the back because if you concede less, you don't have to score as many. If my maths are correct. Yeah. Um, And goalkeeper, Joe Wildsmith, I I saw a statistic today on Twitter and you know, Twitter is the 100% go-to for every answer you can find. Joe Wildsmith is second in Europe in clean sheets with like, doesn't he have like 16 or something like that? 13 or something. That is absolutely mental. If that is true. And I don't know because it was on Twitter, but talk to me, Chris, about Joe Wildsmith. Cause he's basically like Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings. And it's like, thou shall not pass. And he's looking pretty good. Obviously he's not playing very good teams. It's not like teams are peppering his goal very often. I mean, I watched the highlights of Accrington Stanley, and I don't think they even got past the halfway line. I didn't even know what color Joe Wildsmith was wearing. He can get a deck chair out in half the games, um, not even have to worry about it. But, I mean, we had said that he was a confidence player. When we talked to some Sheffield Wednesday fans and journalists, they said he was a confidence player, and he had never had a consistent run in the Sheffield team. And so that chopping and changing, you know, he can never get into a flow. And we always thought, yeah, they're going to bring in another goalkeeper here. But he's looking like our best goalkeeper since Scott Carson. I mean, that was only Kel Roos. Okay, he's looking be- way better than Kel Roos ever did. He's looking really steady, isn't he, Chris? Thing, thing I enjoy about Joe Wilson, Paul, I think, he's got a fantastic concentration level. So he's made some really good saves late in games. Also, he's made really good saves very early in games. 
And that's quite rare for a keeper uh, to be consistent with concentration. Also helps when you've got a very good back four and you've got probably six players that you can fit in each of those roles. But um, I think with Wildsmith, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um, it's all about confidence, all about having the backing of a coach coach who basically, and he wasn't the current coach who brought him in either. Remember, he's he's also had a, a change in his backroom staff. You know, he, he'll have more one-to-one time than probably anyone in the, in the squad. Um, one thing I will say, um, I do think it'd be nice to have a little bit of competition behind him. With all due respect to Scott Loach and the, the gentleman from West Ham is at Anang. Um, they're not really pushing him, which isn't a bad thing because he doesn't need to be pushed at the moment. Like, um, but I think his, his concentration levels are phenomenal. What I do like as well, he's definitely improved his distribution. That's for all to see. But he doesn't mess around with the likes of decision-making when it comes to a save to be made. Where's Kellarusa? We can go back to the playoff final where should he catch, should he punch? We know with Wildsmith. And he didn't either. Correct. <laughs> he didn't either. And that's not going we We'll all start crying um, and we'll all be sending hate mail. But basically, we know that he makes the right decision at the right time because his concentration levels are for all to see. He knows what's happening around his, his area. So, yeah, fair play to the guy. Certainly up there is probably player of the season so far. Jason, how good has Joe Wildsmith been in your estimation? Because you've seen a lot of goalkeepers in your day. I have. I, I think he's done. I think he's done tremendously well. Um, he he does the basics right, which we haven't had a goalkeeper that has done the basics right for about four years. So it, it almost at the beginning made it look like he was sort of better than maybe he, he was. But actually, I think you can you can take that statement away now. I think. Joe Wildsmith has has turned up exactly what Chris has just is nailed it there. He's he, he looks confident. He comes out and claims crosses. We haven't had a goalkeeper that's done that in in years. He he can the way that he commands his penalty area it, t- for me is incredible. I don't think we've had a goalkeeper that's commanded the penalty area for a long, long time. Even Scott Carson didn't really do it the same way as Joe Wildsmith does it. And you. You know now. I mean, obviously, he's, he's made penalty saves. He's made one-on-one saves. You back him now. You you you're not looking. And if 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 a team managed to break Derby down, you know, oh great, this is in the back of the net. You back Joe Wildsmith eight eight times out of ten that he's gonna he's gonna make the save. And at the end of the day, one of obviously it's 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 the hardest probably one of the hardest positions of a football pitch uh, is is that is the goalkeeper. Like Chris said, with the concentration, especially with the way that it's with the way it's been over the last. You know, um, with the games, he's not really being called upon seven, eight, nine times in a game. But when he is called out in that 88th minute, I think Bolton, he, he made that save, didn't he? Uh, the, you know, in the, in the dying seconds, and we'd have been absolutely distraught to come away from Bolton with nothing. So, I mean, I've got absolutely nothing but praise for, for Joe Wildsmith at the moment. And, and don't get me wrong, long may it continue. And thank you very much, Sheffield Wednesday. You've You've let us have a good one. And Jason, I want to talk about a player that's kind of fallen out of the first team picture. And also, it's no, it's not not a coincidence that he cut his man bun and then all of a sudden becomes a really good goalkeeper. Not they're directly related. Um, beginning of the season, we had had one player, Stonewall, starting every game, absolute legend, and that is the modern day legend that is Curtis Davis. Bang on starter. I don't think the four of us could have sat here in August and imagined 
Curtis Davis not starting as many games. I, we would have said he would have started every game so far, you know, had he been fit because he was so great for us last year. Um, Jason, how surprising is it that now Curtis Davis comes on as a substitute and you don't even realize, like, you don't even miss him in the starting lineup anymore, if that makes sense. Like, he's not been a starter for, you know, probably since, what, the Ipswich game and he made that mistake. Um, I think he had a little bit of an injury after that or whatever that kind of led to it. It wasn't like he was dropped because of poor form. But now we don't even look at the team sheet anymore and go, Curtis Davis isn't there. We're going to struggle. I mean, like Chris said, we've got two very good center halves that are playing well in Craig Forsyth and Aaron Cashin, but it's it's kind of, it's not sad, but it just shows the progress of this team, doesn't it? That Curtis Davis is not, we're not having to rely on him week in and week out like we did last year to pull us out of the mire. Which says a lot less about Curtis Davis, but more about the defensive structure that this team has in place. Yeah, fully agree. I think probably um, you know the the bigger shock is that um, Craig Forsyth, you know, is, has learned how to metamorphose in, in, into Curtis Davis. I mean, it, isn't I, it I, funny I think that the same he came to Derby as a left winger and now oh, he's playing center? Incredible, half. incredible. But yeah, I mean, Curtis. Obviously, nobody can can have a bad word to say about Curtis Davis for what he's done for this club over on and off the field for the last what six years that he's been here. Um, I mean, we were all gobsmacked when he managed to achieve what he did last year and play every minute of every game. And you were right, absolute surefire starter this year. We thought um, he has been plagued with injuries. There's no doubt about that. And uh, <laughs> Obviously, on the back of what eighteen months ago, he had, or less than eighteen months ago, probably had that really major injury that we probably thought was going to end his career. Um, I think, unfortunately for him, it's it's that catching up with him. He's thirty six. He's thirty seven. You know, I mean, you look at Richard Stearman, and I'm sorry, as much as I love Richard Stearman, and I know you've got a very soft spot for Richard Stearman, Corey. Yeah. He should be nowhere near a first team. He really shouldn't. I, I don't believe he's he's good enough, and you know, Curtis Davis has got has got three years on that. So it's it's you want to play you know for for nostalgia purposes, you want Curtis Davis in there, you want him in the dressing room, you want this, that, and the other. But I think ultimately you do have to you do have to accept that if he isn't you know performing on the field, if if other people are performing better than him, um, you know, it, it's very difficult to change it. And it is, it would be if if he if Curtis Davis did what he did at Derby last year and decided to hang his boots up in summer, that would have been for me the perfect bow out for for him. He wanted to stay because he wanted to take Derby County back back into the championship or help take Derby back into the championship. Obviously, still club captain. That's that is wonderful. But if his legs aren't going to allow him to do that, it's what you don't want him to do is just not sort of fade away into the distance, you know, and, and almost become the forgotten man. And obviously, somebody somebody's had to step up. Erin Cashin, we knew, was going to be more than comfortable in League One because he was in the Championship, no doubt about that. Obviously, it was who was going to be his partner. We brought in James Chester, which I thought was quite a, quite a smart signing. Obviously, can't seem to get him fit, unfortunately. And Forsyth, I'm sorry, I'd have never have said that it would have been Craig Forsyth who was playing week in, week out and, and you know, contributing to, to this. But he has been, I mean... He's just been he's rolling back the years. He looks oh. like he remember when he played center half like three seasons ago and he looked like the reincarnation of Fabio Cannavaro. He played and two he was games like amazing and then he like disappeared yeah. for like six months because he was like, Whoa, this this experience not working anymore. But it well, seems to be working now. 
he 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 played two or three games at centre off, and then I'm sure he played in a cup game and got absolutely destroyed. And then he wasn't really in the Derby side after that for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's exactly what Chris said. I mean, he he is a left footer playing on the right hand side, and they can both interchange. I mean, I, I, and I'm still, you know, pace is pace is a lot at the back. We know that, and it's very difficult to play without pace at the back. But if you're one step ahead of the game, it's like David McGoldrick. David McGoldrick hasn't necessarily got a lot of pace about him anymore, but he thinks so much quicker than everybody else and he can he can maneuver and i think craig forsyth does that and i think we honestly thought it was going to be davis and and cashing as a as a center pairing and you know i, I would have been happy with that center pairing somebody great for cashing to learn off forsyth is ever the professional he, he, he's a he's had he's carved out a great career 10 years at derby you know he's derby through and through clearly and he's clearly learning a lot and the partnership works and as long as the partnership works you know, you have to you have to keep going. And Forsyth, I don't think has put. A, I really don't think he's put a foot wrong. A, apart from his clearance, I think it was against Bolton or Accrington with his right foot, where he absolutely skewed it. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, he, he's been he's been an absolute maestro. And I, I don't think you can talk about it enough. It's been I know with Paul Warren and, and all them. I've mentioned it um, in pre mess pre match and stuff like that just recently. You can't underestimate how well Derby's defence has done when at least two of them aren't defenders and one of them's playing out, you know, three, basically three out of your back five are playing out of position. I mean, that, in all honesty, is 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 incredible. Um, and let's face it, it's a good job it's worked out that way because otherwise we, we may well have been languishing in, you know, below mid-table. And then everybody would have other, another set of questions to ask rather than the ones that, you know, we're talking about now. So I'm glad it's worked out. If it be luck, if it be a masterstroke, whatever it may well be, um, you know, I, as I said earlier, keep the good times rolling. Let's not let's not complain about it. And at the end of the day, as, we, as we've said over the last few weeks, this unbeaten run starts with a great back line. That looks settled. The midfield look more more in control of games now. I think Conor Oran's actually turned out to be pretty decent in yeah, his last exactly. three or four. Kind of, he was poor at the beginning mm. of the season, and we were all yeah. kind of like, why is this guy in the thing? And I know me and you went on BBC Radio Derby, and I don't know whether it was Dom or Ed. I think it was Ed, and he asked us, like, where does where do these players fit in? And I think I said, like, I'd drop Conor Hurahane because he's not not delivering the goods right now, but he but he certainly is now. It looks like he's turned that corner. Yeah. Um, and, and Jack, I want to turn it over to you for a, a bit about the defensive work as well, because in addition to a confident goalkeeper, we now have a somewhat stable back line that is playing quite well, which is, again, I don't think the both have actually been together at Derby for a very long time, but, you know, goalkeeper and then solid defensive as, as a block. And it's no wonder that we're doing well defensively and they were keeping massively, that we're keeping a, a large number of clean sheets. I, I don't know how many clean sheets we've kept in the past, but we've got to be up there with one of our best seasons in, 10 or 15 years, but, um, and, and we're not even what we're just past the halfway point, Jack, how are you, how are you viewing this unbeaten run and the defensive solidity that we're showing um, as a club right now? I think it's, it's pretty remarkable as, as you both said, I mean, Craig Forsyth, I could perhaps have seen him being a fence back and doing a decent job. If we were playing the back three sort of left of the back three, wouldn't have been too far fetched. He's done that a fair few times, but yeah, in the in this back four with midfielders playing as fullbacks, it 
it kind of came from nowhere. I mean, Louis Sibley, slotting in at left back, looks like it's been a very good way to harness his energy. You know, when he was playing as a kind of 10, you'd so often get him running around, making tackles, and then he'd make a rash challenge and get a yellow card. Whereas now he seems to be, it seems to be a position where he's channeled more of that, more of that energy to be up and down. And he still then gets forward and drifts inside and plays a key role in the, you know, in the odd attack as, you know, very much the modern, modern fullback. We knew Corey Smith had played right back at various points throughout his career. We thought, you know, it'd be him or Knight that would kind of fill in. Probably in the summer expected another right back to come in. Probably expect someone now, provided they're the right fit. But Cashin and Forsyth, you you can't you can't change it. Top game, you know, you, we might have expected a, a couple of changes here and there, especially because you know we don't have that big a squad. But there was, you know, going into it, yes, uh, yeah, yesterday, you, you didn't you didn't expect it. In any other circumstance, you would probably expect it. Um, but but yeah, so the likes of Curtis Davis, as well as he did last year, as great an ambassador as he is for the club, and as much as he's a model professional, as a model professional, you'd think, you know, I imagine he's able to see at the moment that he's going to struggle to get a look in. Because if it ain't broke, you don't try to fix it, right? So the influence of the likes of Davis and Stearman is still there. I would imagine, you know, about the club, they're great sorts of players for youngsters to learn from their experience, characters in the dressing room. I would be I would be quite sad if someone like Curtis Davis left after all he's done over the last few years. You know, even before last season, you think about the final day in the 2021 season and in signing the waiver and coming on with 10 minutes. Um, so, you know, just heading balls away and risking injury again. He's done all sorts, you know, so many good things over the last couple of years. But yeah, this this is remarkable. And then you've got the work rates from those in front as well that I think is helping with that. Um, and then in the attacking sense as well, all those runners. And then this is what worked so well last Monday. You have McGoldrick with his skill playing anyone and everyone who bombed forward in, you know, linking up the play. And and everyone else just runs the socks off. And it seems that we've got to a point of what Paul Warren kind of was talking about when he came in. And that lag that we were, where we were kind of behind everyone else to begin with, because we came back late and had a late preseason, seems, you know, we've, we've caught up there. And that, I think that's making a difference as well. Because if you think back to those first few weeks of the season, that's what we were saying every week, right? We were talking about the delays. Um, the lack of players, everyone's gelled, everyone's working for each other. And foundation of that is this solid back four and goalkeeper. And Jack, let's let's go from that solid foundation. And, and Chris, I want to get your opinion on this. We talked, we touched a little bit about it earlier but let's talk let's talk about transfers that's the big buzzword of the month the the market is open Chelsea are buying random players for big money yet again with no strategic plan um whatsoever so doing the the Chelsea way 
I guess is what it's called. Um, and obviously, you know, for a lot of the lower league clubs, um, we have to wait for dominoes to fall for people to see who is available. And, you know, the situation can change drastically between the 9th of January and the 31st of January in terms of players availabilities, things change and things like that. And I think Paul Warren summed it up best. And we talked about it earlier. You know, we know that he wants a right back strengthening and more depth in the wide areas and potentially a striker. So nothing too crazy. Um, We've heard loads of names linked. I don't know if you know of anybody who maybe have been linked, Chris, as you as you nod your head, yes, uh, and grin from ear to ear because you've got people on speed dial. No, um, but, you know, it, it is a smart way to not necessarily just try to upset the apple cart by signing a load of players. I know everybody's anxious to get a new signing in. I know Paul Warren was said he was hopeful of getting somebody in early in the window, and we know that the transfer window can change, and January is notoriously famous for changing very quickly. Um but personally, I kind of like the approach. Let's take a measured approach. We don't really need to change anything. And I was thinking about this the other day. You know, we have a, attacking midfielder, Louis Sibley, like Jack was saying there, and he's playing left back. And we have a, a kind of a squad player, midfielder, Corey Smith, playing right back. And then I was thinking, you know, we could get this in and we could get this and we could be the complete team. But when you look at all the teams in League One and the lower end of the championship, all of these teams have holes, even in the Premier League. Not every not every team has, we've got 11 solid long-term players that we want in our roster. And I'm thinking, even with the square pegs and round holes that we're playing and the couple of holes that we have in our roster, yes, depth is probably the biggest thing. We need to bring in some depth because we get a couple injuries, we're done. But we're actually not too bad of a place, Chris, are we? And, and taking a slightly more measured approach to the transfers and, and looking long-term for value and who wants to be here and understanding and having those conversations up front with, you might not play right away because you've got these people in here and bringing the right kind of characters in like we did in summer, I think is that next step to the progression, isn't it? Because it's a very, very crucial inflection point. It's a very, very crucial uh, trend, uh, transfer window for us because if you get it wrong, it could go spectacularly wrong in terms of not getting playoffs and then being saddled with a load of players who are unhappy for two or three years, depending on the length of their contract. So it's good to be this slightly measured approach, isn't it? I think I think it's a really good point. I think the fascinating thing, if you look at the league, is is the three teams above us all recruited well last year. And they haven't done much recruitment this year. And the team directly below us, Bolton, also did the same. They recruited well last year and have barely recruited this year. I always say to people, be, careful, be very careful of what you wish for. I go back to the Billy Davis season where he nearly blew it by bringing in four players, uh, Tyrone Mears and, um, was one to name, and tried to change a system that wasn't really broken because we were only winning 1-0 um, week in, week out. He thought that it was, you know, in need of having wingers. I also think that if you don't bring anyone in, like the times when we lost Chris Martin, back in when we were top of the league, remember that, under Paul Clement? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were, you know, we never replaced him and it ultimately cost us promotion. I think I'm with you, Corey. One thing I will say is he can only, re- I don't think he'll recruit people on a six month deal. I don't think there'll be anyone out there unless they are very special or need a, a fitness jab will be on an 18 month contract. We can only sign up to two year deals anyway. So I don't think you'll see anything beyond a six month and see how it goes. So I, I don't think we'll be rushing out. We might bring a, a striker in, uh, so when he's recruited in the past, those players have not succeeded going forward into the league above. So this is the first time where he's got a bit of a candy shop where he can see that a bigger picture is needed. Fair enough. And with Chris, 
with that, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. I know you've got some other commitments on your time, so we will casually uh, fade you out here as we continue this discussion. But Christopher Holt, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thanks, gentlemen. Jason, I mean, the, the change in transfer policy here is going to be notable. And I think that was the one thing that concerned me the most about Paul Warren is, is his recruiting is recruiting credentials. Obviously, you know, you're a wizard football manager. I'm amazing at FIFA career mode. Not so much online because I get destroyed by like eight-year-olds like on Christmas when the kid told me to go do one. It's like, it's Christmas, mate. You're eight years old. Chill out. You just got FIFA. Respect your elders. But whatever. Um is if Paul Warren's recruitment goes wrong, it could affect Darby. And this is what was keeping me up at night. And not many things keep me up at night for Darby. But if he's if he gets the recruitment wrong, it could have such lasting effects on this football club long term because they could be here a while. Now, if they're only on 18 month deals, two year deals, yeah, you can casually shift them out. But Paul Warren could be gone in six months and we still have to deal with with what's kind of left over and the new person doesn't have a lot to deal with. So I'm a big fan of this approach being measured. What do you think about it, Jason? It's frustrating not seeing the new signing come out and play because it's, it's sexy and it gets the, given the crowd a lift, you know, he struts his stuff against Ackerington against Cheltenham town, you know, the new like number 48 or whatever, you know, and you're like, Ooh, look at this guy. But um, it is, it is a good approach to take, isn't it? And it's smart. I mean, part of it's smart business and part of it, we have to do it this way. But uh, waiting to see a little bit might might pay off in the long run, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's one of those things I go back, you know, you look at it throughout football. You've got a certain style of man, you've got a certain type of manager who's got a bit of a reputation. Um, he's, and then he gets, a, a no disrespect, a bigger job. You look at Solskjaer going to United. He'd done pretty well out in Norway. He'd done half and half at Cardiff gets the United job and gets given multi-million pounds and look, and look what he did with it. It's, it, it's not always you know, a, a manager who makes good signings on, on a shoestring on always the right manager to throw millions at. I know Derby aren't in that ballpark, but, obviously Paul Warren is used to being at Rotherham, which obviously was a very tight budget, probably somewhere similar to the kind of budget we're on at the minute because of restrictions. But obviously once that then restrictions disappear, then I would have thought that Derby have got more of a playing budget than Rotherham United would ever have. Um, So it will be interesting. He's, he's shopping in a, in a different supermarket, isn't he? At the end of the day, he's used to the, the Aldi and Lidl's, he might be taking that step up to, you know, an Asda uh, or, or something like that. He, he's looking at a different pool of players, in my opinion. But again, he's got a style of football. He's got a style of, of player that he wants. Um, it just means that those players are probably a little bit better and, and can, can do a little bit more. And we know that his play, um, you know, he, he likes fit, energetic players. And and it's all it's all like that. But yeah, I mean, he's he's not, just on his own, he's he's obviously he's got his team around him. He's got his team around him that he's had for uh, years. Obviously, we are still in negotiations with a um, somebody somebody to help out with transfers. We have seen names banded about who that is, but obviously nothing's been released because they are in a contract. But if it is the person that we believe it to be, um, we'll mention no names, and um, then 
you look at the track record that they've got at their respective club at the moment, and that's the kind of model that you, you know that you, that we would want. I was You've literally got... about to say their name as they said, we'll mention no names. And I was like, no, no, no. Where's the mute button? Where's the mute button? Yeah. But <laughs> it's, you know, it, th- that's the way that it is. And it will be interesting to see. He won't be used to the kind of budget. As I say, he won't be used to the kind of budget that he probably has had, a, a, you know, that he will, he will get at Derby. The restrictions, as I say, may well hold that a little bit. Um, which, funnily enough, I heard the other day is actually can be reviewed in January. It can be reviewed in the summer. So it might be that the restrictions could be lifted um, a, a year early if they if Derby can prove that they've been squeaky clean with their finances, which I think we would presume they've been pretty squeaky clean with their finances. So, yeah, it's it is going to be interesting to see what he does. We we all do want new players. Uh, you're right. I mean, you but January is a notoriously difficult window. Who are you going to pick up? Loans, players who are willing to, you know, leave the clubs in the summer. Are they are they willing sort of to do Derby a favour and Derby just take on the wage wages for that six months? I think Chris is spot on. It's I don't expect too many unless there are unless there is a gem sort of type of player out there that you know that you can use. Because the other thing about it is Corey, we sit here on the 9th of January, we want to hope that Derby County get promoted, but we don't know if Derby County are going to get promoted. So, you know, the type of, the type of player that we are looking for at this moment in time, in my opinion, is still a player that can come in, play the the way that Paul Warren wants to play, but that might be a league one standard player rather than a league, you know, a league one stepping up to the championship because we don't, we just don't know what division we're going to be in. Obviously, then in the summer, we will know what division we're in and then we'll be able to see really where Paul Warren's transfer, um, you know, skills are. I, I just think at the moment in this division, he's he's been here before, remember, three times with Rotherham. He's gone into a January window where they've been sitting pretty in League One. So he knows what he, he has to do in this scenario. Um, which I think is an absolute great thing. It, it, you know, you look at a, a Liam Rossini. I mean, he did wonders in bringing in what he brought in um, in, in the summer. He, he, he kind of had to. He kind of had to sign whoever would want to come, really, I suppose, in some respects. But obviously, there was due diligence done there as well. And it, it'll be the same. But I, I've got a feeling this will be a... It, if and when, I think, somebody does come in it will be very interesting i think to fans to see what type of player they are especially where they come from is it a young premier league loan is it you know somebody who's been knocking around in league one and maybe not really had the opportunity um again somebody in the championship who's been knocking about the championship you know of of that year of of that sort of age but of course there's all these different bits and pieces that paul warren wants in, in his players and are they going to be available in january and if they are how fit are they because we know that's probably a number one that they have to be. They have to be fit. Notoriously, free transfers in January probably haven't been playing. So, you know, it's it's going to be very interesting. But obviously, as Jack mentioned, as, as we've put out today on socials, um, he's got he's got names in mind. He, he, they're having conversations. They, they think they can get at least one over the line. It's going to be interesting to see who that is. Like you said, you know, Willa Sula um, didn't, Unfortunately, uh, off the back of that 
uh, Accrington performance, obviously, earlier on the year away from home, unfortunately, didn't develop into the kind of player that we all thought he was going to be. I think I have to say, I think I called him the new Paolo Wanchot with the way that he could play football. It just, it didn't, it didn't pan out for him. And of course, um, it, I know it said that Sheffield United recalled him. I'm not so confident. I think that he may well have got sent back, but I'm not going to argue that point. The but Paulo Wanchap, Jason. Yeah, I know. I'm just going to mute you. I'm just going <laughs> to. I know. Ridiculous. You're in Ridiculous, timeout. Right? That is. I know. Mental. But, but just think about it, guys. This time last year, we only had one name on our lips, and that was Chris Kirchner, the American yeah. businessman who was going to fly in, who was going to save the day, who was going to do all this stuff. And where is he now? I think he might be going to court because he's not a nice guy because he has no money because he was a fool and we were all everyone was suckered in everyone was suckered in jack yeah one last question about the transfer window because i want to hear your opinion on it i mean you're in agreement right this this steady-handed approach is the best way forward looking at where can we potentially improve can the player we bring in improve the group both as a as a as a competitor, as a person, as a player, or are they going to be a disruptive force? I mean, this is this is smart, right? We don't need to make wholesale changes right now. We're 16 unbeaten. And obviously, you know, we could hit the February bad patch again and go skidding off in another direction, but we need to be smart with what pennies we do have and, and what limited budgets, right? I mean, this has got to be the most effective way to do this because if you start throwing money and start doing what well, we can't throw money at it. So it's a bit of a misnomer, but you know what I mean? Like go out opening yeah. day of the window. We signed six players, five of which were free agents and been sitting on the couch for six months, you know, got a couple guys who other people don't want or whatever. I mean, this is the smart approach, isn't it? Yeah. We want to avoid your kind of Iketrianians, don't we? The players who come in on big money and just end up not fitting in to the squad at all and just, eat up budget like that we can't afford to do that and that's you know it's those sorts of things that i said earlier that lead to administration right so using another football manager analogy i was looking for derby and the pool of free agents that would be kind of realistic for league one according to football manager right and giovanni dos santos was on that list the mexican he's what like 36 now He's only 33. He's younger than I thought He's only 33. He's been around forever. He I know. beast in FIFA, though. Yeah. But someone like him, I looked at that and I thought, that would be fun. On Football Manager. On FIFA. In actual real-life football, that's completely nuts. And you don't do that. You go for somebody with more of a track record in the English game, right? You You don't just sign the player based on the name. And that's what works. Even, just going to bring up another name here, Graham Shinney, last week, right? Thursday night, confirmed, return to Aberdeen on loan to the end of the season. So I, I was thinking about that, and there'd been a lot of talk, hadn't there, about him potentially coming back after he'd been in the away end at Bolton. Now, he's the sort of player that I think, had he been at the club when Paul Warren took over, he'd have fitted into the system quite well. He runs and runs and runs. He kind of plays for the badge, if you like. And he could have played either in midfield or slotted in at left back. But on the run we're on, we don't need a left-footed midfielder, left back. We, you know, 
we're doing well. You don't need someone like that. And a lot of the, we could have gone for someone like him. He could have come in, sat on the bench, been an unnecessary signing. As nice as it would have been, as much as I like the bloke, and as much as, again, if I'm playing football manager and I see him available, I'm bringing him back. That's not necessarily how it works. So, I mean, when I first saw it, I was a little bit disappointed. And then I thought about it and realised, yeah, probably don't need him that much. And it is. I mean, I guess that's the only thing with someone like him. That was the only thing that kind of made me think was the, the things that Warren have been saying when it comes to players who slot in, don't disrupt the atmosphere. He's someone who was here for a while, was a good character, didn't want to leave, right? It, and I think that was a little bit of disappointment from people on Thursday night, that it was a kind of obvious signing that wasn't going to happen. But the other thing with that was the, I think it was kind of one of the few wrongs for administration that hadn't been righted by the the takeover and things. He left for 30 grand. He didn't want to go. We got no money for him, It's pretty much. And everyone felt aggrieved by that at the time, rightly so. Most things... Like the relegation, we, you know, we're on a good run now. We're almost forgetting about it. We've, we've accepted it. So I think there's an element of that. But, but yeah, we, we're solid. We just need a couple of additions, probably yeah, another forward, especially now the Sula gone. But let's make sure they're the right player. And it's probably going to be short term. Again, some names I've seen banded about on Twitter. People have been talking about oh, like some Cordy Bond or even. Yaya Sonogo, remember him? Yeah, he was an Arsenal wonder kid at, at some point as well. He was a, he was a wonder kid on on Football Manager as well. But um, yeah, but you know you're to... right, Jack. You can't sit here and like you know the papers link these players and whatever, and it has to be right player, right time, right everything. The car stars really have to align for a free agent to go in and to ask a player that's been sitting on the couch with, unattached for a club for six months to come in and then expect to hit the ground running is going to be difficult. Expect that the entity. Um, uh, the intensity that Derby play at, but you know this is this is a, this is way different. Um, and Jason, I'm going to hand it over to you because we talked a lot about we talked about on-field matters, off-field matters, and now we're going to go back to on-field matters because we do have a game coming up this weekend um, against big game against the mighty Cheltenham Town. Jason, yeah, Cheltenham Town. Obviously, the uh, the rearranged fixture wasn't it from uh, November or whatever. So Probably the the only team we've not only played team yet, we've right? not seen. Yeah, the yeah, only team yeah. that we've not seen. So um, obviously we don't know. I mean, I, I think they're middle to low end, aren't they, in the division at the moment? So yeah, they're you know, Yeah, well, it's, so it's another one that we're going to go there and obviously expect a performance. And um, on the run that we're on, we should we we, we should fear. You know, we shouldn't really fear any going to any place. Um, and it, it, it's it's just about getting the ball rolling. It, it's just about continuing getting the ball rolling. Um, it was a. I mean, don't get me wrong. Every game's a big game in this division. But I, I I did feel until obviously the winning the FA Cup that Cheltenham was a quite a big game because obviously I think the next two after well the next three after that were Bolton at home, Port Vale away, and it was Plymouth away, wasn't it? So that was really a, a difficult you know set of fixtures where. If we'd have come out of that unbeaten, then you know we'd have been really, really pleased. Obviously, now the the Plymouth one's changed, but obviously Bolton at home is still going to be a big game, and obviously we we owe uh, Port Vale a bit of payback from earlier on in the year at Pride Park. So, it, you know, no game is 
even though we we have constantly said that the the standard standard of football at this level is isn't great, there's still no easy games. You can't just turn up and you know and expect to win. So I mean, Accrington and Forest Green have found that out at Pride Park in the last two two home games. You can't just turn up and and hope that you're going to get something out of the game because you, you've got to be a little bit more about you. So yeah, Cheltenham. I mean, obviously. Again, I imagine another team that we've not, we've certainly not played at Pride Park before. Um, we've probably not been to Cheltenham for a long, long time. Um, 25 plus years, probably, I would have thought. Never really remember even in the, you know, the 90s that Cheltenham were in the same division as Derby very all that often. So <clears throat> obviously a, a, a one for, a, another sellout for the away fans, another one for them to, to enjoy. Another one of those League One, League Two style football grounds. It's obviously a great, a great day out. And as long as you come back with the, the three points, then, you know, what it's going to be great. And it'd be in, if we can get anybody in before Saturday, that, that would be great. I, I, as Paul Warren has alluded to, if it happens, great. If not, it doesn't really matter. Um, we, we're just riding the crest of the wave at the minute, aren't we? And, you know, it's... You You always have to be wary of complacency. You've always got to be wary of, you know, one injury could really derail Derby. We know that. We've seen that in, in many seasons past. And that's why I think the transfer window is difficult in January. But at least... If I know this sounds a little bit silly, but if you are going to have a time where something goes wrong, you want it in January so you can basically react to it and do something about it. Um, so yeah, Cheltenham. I mean, we just don't know, do we? If if the Derby County of the last three, what four to six weeks turns up, I'd expect three points. If the Derby County of three months ago, you know, beginning of Paul Warren's tenure, put put your house on a draw. Um, it, it's, I, I just, I don't see it. I, I don't see a realm where Derby lose it, Corey. I, I, I really don't. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're just in too good form. I think the confidence <clears throat> in the camp is too high. Um, I mean, we thought talking about Derby when they were not doing well was exhausting Jason, but when they're doing well, it's difficult to find as many talking points sometimes, but you know, we've been doing well. We've got a great, um, 16 match unbeaten run. You know, there's no reason why it should stop now. Uh, I don't think there's any team in this division that we should fear at the moment, the way that we're playing. Um, the players should be up for it. If David McGoldrick's fit, obviously, massive plus for us. He's one of the best players in the division, hand down. Um, and then, you know, take that, move on, and, and and start looking at these as blocks of five games at a time until that ultimate kind of goal in May. And, um, you know, if Barnes zero six and played like that, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine Cheltenham playing any worse than either them or Accrington. I, I really can't. I'd be hard pressed because if they did, I wouldn't, I, they don't even need to be professional at that point um, because those two performances were disgraceful from an opposition team. Jason, you've seen a lot more Derby in person than I have over the years. I mean, Accrington has to be one of the worst teams you've ever seen play at Pride Park. I, I, I mean, by, by a country mile. Like I, I mean, said, I've I thought Forest Green teams was... play better than that. I mean, it's pathetic. It was pathetic. The, the performance that they put up and, and I think John Coleman actually said as much. He wasn't as salty this time as what he was uh, previously. Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. Yeah, here's a tissue. Yeah, that, that, issues. that was funny. That 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 was quite funny. But, but that, um, yeah, I don't think we need to go and fear anybody in this division, do we, Jack? I mean, we're on a great run. Uh, we've got players in form. We've got players that are starting to click. Um, again, I will hold my hand up to the audience and to the listeners and say I'm not the biggest Paul Warren fan. I'm not 100% on board the Paul Warren train, but you know what I do like? I do like winning. Winning feels pretty good. So the more you win, the better off you're going to be. And, um, you know, hopefully we can continue that at Cheltenham. There's no reason to go in and fear 
uh, to fear anybody in this league, Cheltenham or anybody. And that's not a disrespect to Cheltenham because we've not seen them. They could turn up and, and wipe with four with a six nil. But um, I just think with the way that we're playing, the way they're performing and the individuals that we have and the quality we have, I mean, we're scoring goals. We're not conceding goals. That's a great, I mean, you know, you're going to win more often than not if you do that. Um, and I think there's no reason the, the waveform's kind of been fixed um, a little yeah. bit. So, you know, we, we hopefully we can get three points, but if we even, even if we get a point in any way, you know, we get one point or three points, one point away from home. Great. Three points bonus. Um, and then yeah. get back home and, and start taking on these next set of games. Yeah. Should I just, I'll throw a couple of numbers at you because I love some numbers, Jack, throw them. So Cheltenham have the have scored the least goals per match in all the league one. They're bottom of that, 0.8. They've got 19 goals scored in the yeah, 24 games they've played, that is right. They, however, have got nine clean sheets, which does put them a seventh in clean sheets and tenth uh tenth best per goals conceded per match on uh on 1.1, so they've only conceded 27. By contrast, though, we've only conceded 17, so, you know, that is, that's a fair bit better, but they're, they're a lot more solid defensively than they are good going forward, so I would, you know, a draw would be the very minimum I'd expect, touch wood, on the run we've been on, but also just looking at this, they've got third-worst average possession in the league. We should be able to kind of control the game even though we're away, we should be able to go there, control the game, and get a fair few chances. And yeah, because as you say, there's no reason to fear anyone at the moment in the form we're in. I mean, perhaps perhaps Sheffield Wednesday the form there in as well, but even still, we can we can do a job. And we yeah, I mean, I think on our day, I mean, Jack, on our day, I think we could go toe to toe with Sheffield Wednesday. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, on the day, you know, I think over the course of the season, maybe Sheffield's maybe a little bit. You know, they've had an extra year in this, in yeah, this year to ahead. kind of grow and develop. They kind of really seem like the big boys. Be interesting to see how Plymouth react. They've made a couple of signings. They signed one today. Um, and obviously that game's now being rearranged for the 7th of March. Um, it has. In, yeah, so this is game. the only, going back to what Chris was saying before about the likes of Plymouth and Wednesday and Bolton being kind of a year ahead of us, right? Because we've just come down and we've, you know, whereas they've had an extra year to build up the squad. From the conversations I've had, it looked with fans of those teams and the things I've read, it looks to me as if we're slightly further along than they were at this point last year. Yeah. So that's that's encouraging as well. You know, what is it? I think I saw 1.93 points per game under Paul Warren, which is just short promotion form, right? They say two points per game generally. If that's the starting point, if we look at it and say it's going to take another year, then that's a very good, very good baseline. Could we, if we keep going as we have been the last two games, could we kind of make up ground from the start of the season? Could we sneak into top two? Perhaps I think it's unlikely, but playoffs, we should certainly be going for and be confident as you can be going into playoffs being a derby fan let's just say oh god D- don't 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 jack don't that that's 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 a terrible thing to say that's a terrible thing to say which yeah. isn't that confident because it's derby in no. the playoffs no it's my it's my point i don't want to go through that again let's just get no. a second and get out but of i it. think that's that's probably what we're aiming for right yeah playoffs and getting through those i think that's our best way to go up on 
unfortunately. Yeah, and I think, and I think, Jack, you know, we had talked, we've all three have talked about this many times on the podcast, and right, you know, obviously we're going to be finishing here shortly, Jason, I think. But we had said at the beginning of the season, if Darby were able to sneak into the playoffs or challenge for the playoffs, you know, that would be a good season for Darby. And yeah. I think just because we're sitting fourth in the league, we've been 16 unbeaten, we were keeping some clean sheets, we're scoring some goals. I don't think it's now the time to try to readjust the expectations. It's right? not, I don't absolutely. think we need to sit there and go, well, we're fourth. We thought we were going to do this, but we're fourth now. So, you know, if, if we get into the playoffs, it's going to be a disappointment. I'm still of the opinion if we get into the playoffs and we, you know, get to the playoff final and we lose, still going to be a great season. It is. If we yeah. win, still going to be a great season. If we lose in the semifinal, I probably might be a bit disappointed seeing, you know, depending on who we lose to in the playoffs or something like that. But I don't think now, I think everybody, again, needs to take an expectation check and realize that this is our first year down at League One for like, what, 35 years or something, Jason? I don't think me and you were alive last time that that Almost. happened. So nope. 35, 40 years, something like that. There are 1984. Some 1984, yeah. So there's some yeah. big teams that have, uh, Sunderland, it took them like six years to get out. Bolton's been down here a while. Portsmouth's been down here a while. Um, so I think that we still just need to keep the expectations in check, continue to to take it game by game and chunks, you know, five games at a time, kind of, you know, building up to that, not looking too far ahead and continue going on our business. I mean, we went on a, we've been on a sneaky 16 game unbeaten run. Uh, you know, let's keep it going under the radar. Let's keep being sneaky about it. And let's just keep going about our business. But I think if we start to sit there now and go, oh, the tight, you know, like you said earlier, Jason, you know, the, the gap is narrowing and that's fantastic, but we can't sit there and go, hey, gap's only six today, you know, it's whatever. Every game's a big game at this level because the ultimate headline is Darby lose to Cheltenham Town. It's yeah. a bit embarrassing. You know what I mean? Mm. From From where we were previously, right? Like. Yeah. No disrespects to the Cheltenham Town fans. They love their club, and that's fantastic. That's great. But, you know, you don't want that headline to be that. So let's continue to go on this sneaky little run. Let's continue to pick up points, and let's get into the playoffs. And this is just a time to to sit back and go, we're pretty lucky and fortunate to be in the situation we're in. We're playing well. But then let's go forward and not get ahead of ourselves by thinking, oh, we can win the league title or we can win promotion. Like, let's just focus on trying to get into the playoffs and be a solid playoff team and continue to build because it's not how you start. It's how you finish. You know, you see teams like at the World Cup, right? And they come out and they win the first, first game like five or six nil. And then they go home in the group stage because it's not how you start the group. Look at Argentina. They lost their opening game against Argentina and ultimately won the World Cup. And I'm not comparing Darby to Argentina, you know, because this Lionel Messi guy is no David McGoldrick. But you see what I mean? Like you want to be playing your best football. You want to be playing your most succinct and sexy and, and best football towards the end of the season. So hopefully we continue to build to that crescendo. We hope continue to build up to that point. And that this is just not the high point of the season. But let's just keep going as we're going and, and just adjust those expectations and just say, hey, we still get into the playoffs. That's still going to be a heck of a good season. We've changed we've changed our manager. We've got a new owner. We had Threadbare Squad. We spent no money. And if we get into the playoffs, any other team would be like, wow, what an amazing season we just had. And we can't lose sight of that. So I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic because obviously I want Darby to do well. But, you know, let's, let's go on and let's keep this run going. Um, and let's just, you know, keep adjusting our expectations to say that, you know, we know what potentially is possible here. We're not stupid. All everybody who goes into that stadium, they're not, they're not that stupid unless, you know, they're okay. You're not that, no, not that stupid, but we just have to make sure that our expectations are in check so that we, we don't ultimately get disappointed. And if something happens behind the lads, we continue to push them best we can. Yeah. yeah I, I think that that's, that's 
uh, to end the podcast on on a positive, I think that's absolutely spot on. There's, as we say, there, there is a. It's an interesting time at the moment. There's a couple of things coming up potentially in in with, with the January transfer window that we've talked about. Um, I think your point is dead on, Corey. About Derby need to build towards something towards the end of the season. That's when you really want to hit your form. And you know, if we are, let's face it, chances are we're going to lose games between now and the end of the season. I think that's pretty obvious. You know, you you, you couldn't predict that that wasn't going to happen. Um, but it, we've 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 built ourselves on on you know we've re- like I said we we've all said it we've all used the words it's kind of crept up on us this unbeaten run we know that there's cup games involved in that as well but we really have sort of taken off and winning becomes a habit it, it's a confidence thing but winning becomes a habit just as much as losing does when you're down the bottom end bottom end of the of the table and if we are yet to see the best of Paul Warren's Derby County this season which I don't think we have. I think over the last two or three games, certainly, we've been particularly good, in my opinion. I know the opposition that we've played, but we've looked particularly good. And if that's the benchmark and we're going to get 10, 15% better or whatever it may well be towards the end of the season, I have absolutely no doubts that Derby are going to get into into the playoffs. I, I don't see how they don't. Um, top two is probably going to be a challenge. I... I would put my money on Sheffield Wednesday catching them. Uh, I must admit, I have to say. Yeah. Um, but again, that can change. That that can change. And obviously, the one thing that we've not spoken about, and I said I wanted to end it on a positive, but the one thing that we've not really touched on, Corey, um, in, in January, is we've talked all about transfers coming in. We've not mentioned about anybody going out, obviously, other than a sooner We're and no, Stratton. We don't need to gone. sell anybody, Jason, because we can't reinvest the money, so why sell? We don't need to, but that doesn't mean that we won't because yeah. if, if we players, can't reinvest the money now nah, if players if players are knocking on the door obviously Bielik we haven't mentioned his name in this podcast we, we don't really know what's happening with him Jason Knight obviously we know is that there is a potential extension but he has to agree to it it's going to be interesting if somebody throws a little bit of money around us and if we need it or not it's better is it better to get that money in rather than you know potentially lose them on a on a free in the summer. So I don't want to end on that because I, I don't want to go into that conversation. We'll now, talk about that next week on the Rams yes. podcast when we yeah. return as weekly things resume. But Jason, yeah. I know I speak for all three of us. And, and just before you end, you know, we're so incredibly grateful for the listeners of this podcast to, you know, it gives us for the support that they show us and for the love that they show us and for our followers on social media and stuff like that. We all three of us thoroughly enjoy what we do. And we were all thoroughly dismayed that we were unable to, continue to produce some content over the winter, but we all had various different trials and tribulations going on of varying degrees and things like that. And, you know, we're just so incredibly grateful for our audience and for our listeners. And, and obviously, like I said, for our, for our support that we receive and um, you know, we will, we will be back in 2023. We're back now. We're going to, we're going to be doing weekly episodes. So it's either going to be one of the three of us voices, all three of us, two of us, one of us. Um, but we will have various different bits and bobs and continue to, deliver on the best Derby County content that, that we can produce. If you want to get involved, uh, there's a link on our website and on our Twitter page and feel free to DM um, myself or Jack because Jason doesn't have a Twitter account, or you could just email the direct Twitter account because he's on there. Um, if you want to get involved and that's in terms of articles or being a guest or something like that, but we're just truly grateful uh, for all your support uh, and everything like that, because, you know, we do it because we're Derby County fans. We do it for Derby County fans and for wider, you know, because we love football as well. And, um, we're just so incredibly grateful for it and hopefully the next hiatus won't be too long, but, um, 
just wanted to let everybody know we we truly appreciate them and, and we didn't have opportunities to put out some of the stuff we wanted to over Christmas. But we do have some special bonus meets episodes in the works, don't we, Jason, uh, for publication later this year. Um, and with that, I'm just going to shut up. Yeah, we we do. You're quite right. And I yeah, I echo absolutely everything um, that that you've just said. We, we are sorry we couldn't put more out over over December and Christmas and New Year, but you know these things happen. But we are back. We are back as the weekly, you know, Derby County fan podcast. Fingers crossed. And you know, 2023 looks like it could well be a good year for Derby County, and that means a good year for the podcast. And that means Corey for the first time since we started it three and a half years ago, we've actually got something positive to talk about. And I have to say, whilst it's great when you, things aren't going well for content it is nice to end the podcast with a smile on your face and not after an hour and a half rant i must admit i always smile after i talk to you jason (laughs) well yeah sometimes because it happened and sometimes because it's over well yeah that's true that is true i'm just kidding yeah can i just say as well Mm. so i mean there's there's a couple of angles here one hallelujah we don't have to crawl through a company's house anymore that was this time last year right um as and then, you know, what, what we're saying is, you know, hopefully second half of the season, keep building, being, keep, you know, stay in the playoff places and go into it in as strong a position as possible. But even if we don't, not only from the having a club, but also just the ride and being able to do this with you guys. I'm going to get really soppy here. Sorry. No, you're but fine, Jack. Yeah. Like, on. you know, it's about, it's what, about a year now since you first sent me that initial message, Corey, asking me, whether I'd like to write something and what that's done for me and everything that I've done since, you know, setting up my stuff, the World Cup stuff that had to abruptly stop, um, you know, the magazine pieces, I'll, there'll hopefully be more to plug there. Um, but also just the community, having this to do every week, having, especially with what's gone on the last couple of months, having other people to share the love of Derby with, right? Yeah, the love of the club and watching, you know, watching the games, that is so so crucial. And I just want to say as well, thank you to everybody who sent me nice messages after what's been a very very difficult few weeks, most difficult I could have imagined. I I don't know how consistent I can be over the next few weeks, but I'll you know I'll be I'll be turning out what I can, be joining you guys when I can, and hopefully we have a good rest of the season and a good twenty twenty three. I couldn't have said it better, Jack. And yeah, obviously it's 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 a pleasure to have you on. We wouldn't keep asking you back if we didn't want you. That, that that's I know that sounds quite blunt, but it's quite true. Um, yeah. I have I, dirt I'm... on Jason. That's why he keeps me around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. But no, it, it's it has. I mean, it's been a jam packed episode to start off 2023. I thanks go out to Chris as well for joining us. Fingers crossed. Um, you you hear his voice again soon on the Rams Writer podcast because obviously we know that uh, that's not been running either over over Christmas. So it's it's been a little bit low on Derby County content. Full stop. I think over the over the festive period. Um, so you know, fingers crossed. Everybody who covers Derby County, there's, we've not got a bias on this podcast. And let's hope all Derby County content creators have a great 2023. And um, obviously, we hope that we've got more positive things to to talk about. And let's say, looking forward to the game on Saturday against Cheltenham, hopefully another three points. And then we'll be back here next week to do it all over again, to talk all about that. And obviously previewing uh, Bolton, which obviously we've only just played uh, away. So the home leg, big game again, right at the top. 
It's what we're in it for, Corey. It's what it's what it's it's what I started it for and it got you to join in for. Bolton, get yeah, in. that's it. And unfortunately, I'd say over the last three and a half years, we've had nothing but disappointment to talk about. So fingers crossed, twenty twenty three for us all is a little bit better uh, in terms of football, but especially in Derby County terms. But we'll be back next Monday, and until then, up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the Rams Review Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter at Rams Review 1, on Facebook, Rams Review Podcast. Drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. And until next time, up the Rams.